but I, I do have to do this intro in the style of Crimes of the Future. Okay. I'm, I'm excited. Hello. Welcome to this week's episode of Hello Weekly. This week, <laughs> Dick and George talk about Crimes of the Future. I had to do my Chris. That was my. It's creeping me out. Yeah, I'm sorry. I had to do it because I had to channel my sister, Kristen Stewart, to the intro because that's how she talks in the movie. It's kind of awesome. So it is very awesome. Um, I've never heard evil whispering staccato before. <laughs> the only the, that's well, you have heard evil staccato. <laughs> I have the car. Remember it, oh. <laughs> when it when it honks? It said evil staccato honking or something. That, like that was amazing. Yeah, that was a great subtitle. Speaking of, there's a subtitle in this movie that I want to shout out at some point. Not now, but that's weird that we already got there. Good. Um, so if you don't know what uh, Crimes of the Future is, uh, David Cronenberg is back. Mm-hmm. Um, after like how long has it been since he made him a... for a horror? Quite a while. Um, I always I always forget like for, I and I still do to this day him and uh, Sonnenberg. I still like get them. you mix you swap them. Yeah, up. yeah, I swap them up for some reason because I know like they're both people who've like done some like great movies and take a long <laughs> breaks and then you know they randomly. That's come back. actually it's interesting that you mix them up. It's a testament to how much Cronenberg strayed from horror to art house that you would even confuse them yeah uh let me read the synopsis yeah, real quick it, yes. uh, okay okay for As, those who haven't seen it yet and by the way this is gonna be a spoilerific review so if you haven't seen it good luck yeah there's really it's i will say this though even with talking about spoilers like it's not like one of those like there's not like a twist if that comes halfway spoiler, yeah you know what i'm saying like right. it's so you're you're even if we spoil something you're gonna be okay because it's kind of an it i'm watching this i'll spoil video drum for people too long live the new flesh you're right you can't spoil <laughs> you're right never mind. well it's a good thing we're not doing a video for this one because i was gonna reach into my stomach <laughs> gross well, hey, we can still do it for this episode, yeah, too. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Okay. As the human species adapts to a synthetic environment, the body undergoes new transformations and mutations. Accompanied by his partner, celebrity performance artist Saul Tenser, which is a great name, mm-hmm. showcases the metamorphosis of his organs. Meanwhile, a mysterious group tries to use Saul's notoriety to shed light on the next phase of human evolution. So that's what this is about. Man, I wish I had read that before I seen this. <laughs> that, would have, that would have made a lot of the struggling. I, I, I read doing. it while you were getting ready. I was like pulling it up and then I read it. And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess that is like, <laughs> like what happens line, like page right? to page. There's also a lot missing there. But weirdly, as I think we're going to discuss a lot here, I, I think this is a... a, a meaning free movie in a lot of ways for David Cronenberg. That's surprising to me. Is it? And, and we're going to talk about how kind of relaxing, strangely relaxing a lot of this was. So I'm excited. Very interesting. You say like, kind of like meaningless, like, I mean, I, I found tons of meaning there and I'm going to talk about a bunch of it in, in a hopefully non boring way, but it, it's not front and center. It's right. It's being like, it made me. So, Cronenberg got mythologized and MCU'd and, and we're used to Easter eggs and complexities and Mr. Robot and Black Mirror stuff. So I think we process content differently now. But the weird thing is, you know, people didn't do that with the fly. No. The fly was people were walking around talking about all the meaning of the fly. I mean, there were deep books written about the fly or whatever, but that most horror fans took it as gross and cool right. And right like that's kind of this but but the hilarious dark version 
of it. It's weird because like I know what you mean by like it's not meaningless. Like there's like void of meaning, but like right. they're it's so weird. Like the visual that popped in my head as you were saying that was like a flaky, um, you know, buttery. <laughs> <laughs> baked good you know what i mean Don't, like because you really love the, this movie visually i would love i've watched you loving just being in the world of this movie which is so but there's like a lot of like layers to this but mm-hmm. they're all very very light if that makes sense I, I do I, totally. That's how it comes off. I don't think that's how it is. I think so. I'm just gonna put my cards on the table. I think this is the best movie of the year. Now I went back and watched it, and I am so in on this movie. And well, that comes uh, before you've seen. Marcel the shell with shoes that's on. That's true. That's which totally true. was really that, good. That's totally true. But I, this movie is it moved ahead of everything, everywhere all else, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Like I think this is the best movie of the year. I the weird thing though is it's not because it's so meaningful and complicated. It's for right. different reasons, which I wouldn't have expected from how everyone took Cronenberg. But that we'll get there. It's it's it. it I can so here. Let's do this. I All can right. tell the story real quick of kind of what I think about this movie. I call it a tale of two images, right? All right. So in the beginning of this movie, there's an image of a child who dies, who's murdered, and that child, the mother, um, makes a pretty cold call <laughs> to someone to inform the father to come pick up the body of their child. Of the that the it's cold <laughs> the way she does it is, yeah. is cold right, and then the father comes and walks into this really deserted looking house and sees this dead body of his son and kneels down next to it and it silhouettes out and you just see a, a father shoulder shaking a little bit. By the way, Scott Speedman was amazing in this movie. I was not prepared for the underworld guy to be good at this. Like he kind of stole us a lot of the scenes he was in, which was incredible. But so you got this shot of a father over the body of his dead child. And what would that mean? Like if, if you just saw a silhouette of that with no other context, what does that tell you? What, what it, it's sad. It's yeah. A, it's some, a, some kind of grief. It's a parent grieving sadness, for a yes. child, right? And then the very next shot is this weird spidery upside down bed contraption with Vigo Mortensen in it, like like drifting in the air, webby and gross and squishy and him like moving back and forth in it in this weirdo fucking way. You don't even know what it is until like whatever. But you your brain can't even make what that image is, right? So it's right. one Im- it's one image that you totally think you understand. And the next image that you have no idea what's going on. And because this is because Cronenberg world is so interesting. It turns out after the story is told and you've done watch the movie, you didn't understand the first image at all. It was not a father grieving over their normal son. The mother did not kill the child because she's like a cold, callous mother who didn't care about her children. Nothing in that image was telling you the truth. That image was a lie. You didn't understand anything that was happening there. The next image is a a fairly well-off, rich, white guy of means and privilege, an artist, relatively Mm -hmm. famous, with a fancy, expensive contraption in his room that helps him sleep more comfortably, and him in some expensive company... They're trying to figure out how to make it work better for him over time. 
that's a totally normal image. <laughs> I mean, it looks fucking weird as shit, but it's a completely normal, understandable, everyday thing that privileged people are doing all over the place, trying to order chilled mattresses and complicated stuff and like whatever. So like the first image that you didn't understand was a completely normal everyday event. And the second, the first image that you thought you understood was fucking weird as shit. Cause it's a plastic eating kid and a guy who wants to expose his dead kid to the world in an autopsy art show. This is Cronenberg. Sounds like West Hollywood to me. (laughs) Right, exactly. So in in just two images, this is how tricky this movie is. You think you're understanding what you're seeing and you're not. And then where you aren't understanding what you're seeing, that's probably where everything is the most normal. You're right. And it happens again and again in the movie, right? Like where you think something is gross and complicated. Like someone is unzipping Vigo's stomach and making out with his innards. And everyone's like, oh, gross. Walk out of the theater. But they're just making out. As a matter of fact, he's Vico's even embarrassed at one point. He's like trying to like kiss back and he gets hit with a coughing fake. He's like, I'm sorry, I'm not good at the old sex. Right. <laughs> like that's just the old sex. It's just a makeout scene. It's just like you've seen this in thousands of films. It's just a makeout scene. We saw scene. it, we saw it at Boat Cinema with Top Gun. <laughs> they were Tom Cruise and the other lady were just tongue giving each other. Oh my lashes. god, that did not Silhouetted age. tongue, man. That, that, yikes. Anyway, I don't want to go, but that, that that's part of the magic, and it happens again and again and again in this movie where this movie is not trustworthy and something else is happening here, but it's not that it's so meaningful. It's that the, the movie is trying to figure it out for itself. That's the most dangerous kind of filmmaker, the kind of person who makes a movie because they're trying to figure something out and you're in the way as the audience. <laughs> Going back to those layers. Yes. I have another visual of what, how I think it. They're kind of just like flashes in the pan of like I, what I think Cronenberg's might ha- might be slightly thinking about something. It's he's not leaning into it 100. percent Like neurons it, fire, like little. Yeah, it's just like I yeah. wonder what that's about. Okay, now we're moving on to there because I saw some uh, interviews with him where people were asking him, "Is it about this?" And he was like, "Oh yeah, like <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess, I guess it is." Yeah. There's a lot of yeah, part. There's a lot of moments in Crimes of the Future where it kind of feels like maybe he had. Uh, a thought or two about this one thing, but he's not committed to that thought. Right. One of them being like, they kind of tackle uh, two, two things that I saw. Yes. Was uh, tackling like influencer culture. Yes. In fact, I think they refer to someone as an influencer at one point totally. at the time in the film. And the whole structure is influency. Like half the people in this movie are influencers of some kind. Of yes. There, so there, so there's, there's a flash in the pan of there's Mr. 38 ears. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Doug, uh, what's his name? Doug. <laughs> Doug uh, Jones. Yeah. Doug Jones. Um, so there, there was there was that that I saw, and and these flashes they don't they don't hammer on them, they don't go to them. It's just they kind of present it, and then you kind of could just fill in what you think about it. The film doesn't really have a say on it. The second there's a woman who flays her face open, and it looks like she has gills, and you think the movie's going to make a big deal out of it, and then she just goes and has a normal cocktail conversation with someone for twenty seconds, and then it's over. And then it's over. The second, like you're saying, the second thing that um, was more in the background that I noticed was everyone filming everything mm-hmm. uh, specifically during like any sort of performance. Like mm-hmm. if you look at it, I think it's not everyone. Cause I, I, I look, but it's damn near. I want to yeah, say it's almost like fight club. There's like 90%. Whole, yeah. Everyone has a camera and it's not like a film, you know, they're not holding up their phone. Like they're using like, you know, what looks like super ring cameras, cam- yeah, like, like literally <laughs> ring cameras, like Leia said, ring. She has a ring on her finger and she films people with it. Oh, that's right. She does have the, it's funny. I thought, about, ring like, I thought about like the ring. On of course. Door. <laughs> Um, but then some people have like super eight cameras, like during like the yep. performances and there's like hardly anyone like experiencing it and just watching it to watch totally. it, which kind of, reminds- it was a lot like the new Candyman in that way. Cause yes. there are a lot of art 
gallery scenes where people were just filming and filming, taking pictures well, it's, of themselves. It's funny that so uh, one of the I don't know how golf works, but PGA <laughs> World, I don't know what the fuck it is. Yes, uh, but uh, just recently a story blew up because Tiger Woods was uh, taking a shot or something like that, and surrounding him was just a bunch of dudes all with the camera out. But then there was one guy just watching him and all holding like a Michelob Ultra <laughs> or something like that. And somebody took a photo of it, and they're like, he's the only one yeah. who's really taking in. And they actually did studies where, I didn't see that, but that's cool. Yeah, and so it blew up, and he ended up getting like a – they ended up using it in an ad. And I think – it might have been my Budweiser – some beer company. That's really cool. They ended up he, – he now has like lifetime tickets to these events because of it, it Hell blew yeah. up. But they also did um, – there was a study done that – stuck drink, drinking one kind of beer forever, though. Uh, that's a crime <laughs> of the future. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I have a lot of crimes of the future. I I got one in my I got one up my sleeve about the Supreme Court. <laughs> There's a lot of criming. Um, going on. But they did a study saying that uh, a lot of people who don't film it tend to have a better memory of it. Uh, oh in, yeah, in, in that's the gotta future. be true. And I and I feel I feel like maybe that is something that Cronenberg was hitting on there too, where a lot of people want to film it for some kind of clout to post online. But they're Rather, not really. They're not really there. To- totally. And there, I totally agree. And there, to- there are actually. First of all, <laughs> Vigo's performance is the most masterful comedic performance of our times. He has so many fun- funny lines. This movie is like my birdemic. <laughs> there are like 50 quotable Vigo lines in this movie. So he's just hilarious. There, there's one of my favorite little moments of his is everyone keeps t- telling him like that, you know, that he can be open with this or open with that. And he keeps getting burned by it. <laughs> there's this people like, can I be open with you? And they're like, yeah. And then later the secret comes out. Like he gets totally betrayed. So there's this moment when he's in the room with Kristen Stewart. And he's like, is this room secure? And she's like, yeah. You could be totally open with me. He's like, yeah, yeah, open. <laughs> you just hear his voice. Like, everyone keeps telling me, open. Fuck you all. <laughs> okay. But anyway, so he he's amazing. Like, he, he gives this incredible performance in the movie. But it's this, I I, I think the, the, act, the best acting in this movie to me is, if I could give an Oscar, it would be to the chair. I knew you were going to say the chair. The I was ready. The fucking chair at the end. Can we just d- deal with the most amazing thing that happens in this movie with this chair, because I think that this movie did this most genius thing with tech that reminds me of what you're saying about like the tech breaking down is I think the tech is tired. (laughs) I think, (laughs) I think, you know, in when in horror we think of AI like ex machina it becomes super powerful and it outmaneuvers right. us and takes over the world and you know whatever. But what if what if Cronenberg is right? What if our tech also gets sick with us and we all just get sick? Right. This chair was fighting so fucking hard all movie to help Vigo eat. Right. It did everything it could. Techs were coming in and out, doing little adjustments and tweaks. The chair was knocking around. It's got its little Kubrickian hands in the air with its, it's like fingers its open. Yeah, like, but it looks horrible. It looks like broken and angled and and awful. It looks like something like Tim Burton would have put in the Sleepy Hollow that got run. It kind of looks. A... It kind of looks like. Um, it reminded me of. Um the thing that Catherine O'Hara gets trapped in in Beetlejuice. Totally. Right. But worse, worse, way worse. And so this chair is moving around and like whatever. And then they feed Vigo some plastic and, and he, he can digest it. And the chair 
stops moving and then it starts purring. <laughs> oh, I forgot about the chair. The purring. literally chair. The last shot of this Watch movie, this movie on, my t- on my TV, the last shot of this movie is a sub a black screen with a subtitle just saying purring. And it gave me chills. And I loved it so much because this chair was fighting to help him digest. And when he finally was able to digest something, the chair just shut down. <laughs> it was like it was like a computer that was running hot, like five hundred degrees, and it's trying to get this thing like downloaded or uploaded for you. And your screen's going black and smoke's going everywhere. And you're like, "Computer, you can do it." And then it goes file complete, and the computer just shuts down, <laughs> and you just hear the computer go. <laughs> that's what happens in this movie and i'm laughing but it's actually really kind of chilling and serious it's kind of the horror part of the movie because the it reminded me of the pandemic and all this stuff like like looking around and there's antigen tests on the street like fucking mask everywhere like Like the the websites are you know you're going to the websites they can't update data whatever whatever i read this article the other day that said like 80% of New York Times articles that were archived in 1980 and back are just dead links. Like the internet's decaying behind us. It's like we're climbing a rope that's on fire underneath us and like oh everything's God. erasing out underneath us. Our tech is breaking, right? Wow. And Cronenberg is diagnosing that like your tech is an extension of your body backwards and forwards it fleshes like interchangeable with the tech like your tools are you it's the same thing that kubrick was saying when you, you threw a bone in the air and it turned into a spaceship it looked, it looked like a bone right so but in this movie the tech got ill like terminally ill with us and i find that fascinating and no other movie has ever done that and it makes me think that if ai ever becomes sentient it might look around and be like oh my god nope. i'm tired <laughs> <laughs> Shut down. I'm going back. It's like that that famous machine where you press the button and a hand comes out and presses the button and closes oh, it back yeah. down. Like that I, AI might do that. If it does, Cronenberg will have predicted it, and I will love it. Also, uh, yeah, yeah, that's a good point about the the tech because not all like out of, out of like the three big tech pieces: the <laughs> bed, the chair, mm-hmm. and the the autopsy machine. Two of them hardly worked yeah and that sarka machine was more an art piece than a thing and that was the weirdest everyone was fetishizing the sark machine like the technicians were like he's got a sark module in his house he's got the old one that's he's, what he's got the fir- he's got the first one it'd be like having the blimp they made before the hindenburg or something in your garage <laughs> you're like whoa <laughs> so that, i mean that was amazing um another layer mm-hmm. that was totally there he definitely hit on like some climate change stuff, like we're over polluting the earth, For sure. especially with all of and us now. Yeah, with with, yeah. <laughs> In fact, there's a lot of memes now where it's like, you know, I want a everything bagel, you know, add the microplastics, you know, like that kind of totally. And I, I mean, there's so many TikToks now where like, you know, it's like some scientist with a microscope, and he's like, "All right, I bought this uh, hot dog from the grocery store. Let's slide it under there, and there it is." And you're like, "Son of a bitch." That's awesome. I hate this life. <laughs> this is this is terrible. I don't yeah. I don't like it. Um but again, nothing nothing was like nothing was hammered away. No, it's not don't look up. Exactly. He never he never does and he's done that before. He's been pretty obvious. I mean, the fly is pretty obviously about degenerative illness. Right. <laughs> right, but like this one's more subtle. It's it's weird because it reminds me a lot of Videodrome and 
and it's structured similarly to Videodrome. And it, it's strange because it's like the old artist's version of Videodrome. It's like right. it's like what Van Gogh painted when he got really complicated and old right before he was done, right? And not the young, fiery, like whatever, because it's like the, the Irishman. And that's, I don't mean it that way, for in Scorsese's career, it's like that kind of vibe for him, right? Right. But the weird thing is it comes from really young material that he wrote a long time ago. But he did like the the calm Cronenberg. That's what I, I wanted to talk about that. How like weirdly calming this movie. I could just put this in the background and just enjoy it. Like it's so weird. Yeah, and that's the that's the thing is so before we watched it, we were like, you've seen more Cronenberg than me. Like mm-hmm. I, I still haven't seen Scanners or Video Drum. Right. I think I, I've saw I've seen The Fly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw. You saw Eastern Promises. Eastern Promises. So you saw one of his best non-horror. Yeah, and so, you know, going into it like knowing about you know like the fly and like the body. Every time you hear David Cronenberg, you immediately think of body horror. Totally. And the image, the imagery of body horror is loud. If that makes sense, it is. You know, especially like with scanners. You know, you see the head blowing everywhere. You yeah. look at Jeff Goldblum. Like, like yeah. body horror looks loud yep. because it's like you know it's just kind of unnatural and, uns- and unsettling. But yep. this movie. I mean, it's it's like this movie is like Starbucks jazz. Like you just yeah, put it. Was it, on. Lot, it was a lot more like the cell. Yeah. Right. Like it was. You're in a world now, and and you're interested. So even if there's horrifying stuff, you're just interested. And the visuals were strangely comforting. It was weird. I I think that's on purpose. There's something strange that's happening also with the architecture in here. There's a there's a very weird moment in the scene where Kristen Stewart and Vigo are, you know, trying the old sex. And um, she says something really about the building they're in and how the building is part of them and that there's a white light that radiates out from that building and that white light is you, Saul Tensor. And it's a strange, like, passage moment in there where they're talking about whatever. But the I can't do justice to it on a podcast. You'd have to like actually see that scene. But what's the strangest about it is what you're actually seeing when she's saying it. Because it is the world's shittiest building. Yeah. Like it is the world's absolute trash building. There's nothing but mottled gray plaster behind her. Right. Mm-hmm. She's bragging about how we're in this building. This building is part of us. It might have been a Home Depot, honestly. <laughs> totally. It did. It looked like nothing. But she kept talking about how it was part of them. And I think it was. See, that's the problem is d- d- Kristen Stewart was talking in this like effect robotic way where the emotions were all very regulated and you got to understand that this is how I see things. Right. So she was doing this like very wound up, very like, you know, thing. And the, the architecture looked like how she sounded. (laughs) I don't know how to explain it, but it was kind of saying you're, 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 you're melting into your surroundings and kind of like, as we're, as we're going through this big isolation phase, as we're recording this, like uh, over these years of dealing with code or whatever, that's horrifying notion <laughs> that your surroundings like ooze to you and grab on you, like whatever, especially if you're spending a lot of time in one. So um, I just found the movie just like, it was doing these kind of things, but they were so light touches. Like you were saying, they were just little flashes or little bonbons. He was throwing at you. Yeah. They weren't like a big meaningful, like you said, it's it's a, it's weird for him, but I loved it. 
It's also kind of strange because the season finale of The Last Drive-In showed mm-hmm. Nightbreed. And yep. it's it's kind of weird watching David Cronenberg act and then, you know, <sighs> watching him direct a movie totally. like this. He was incredible in that, though. He was very good in that. Now yeah. now I can finally, you know, say I've watched Nightbreed. I know where that where that mask uh, uh, com- right. comes from. Um, the gore in the movie, that's mm-hmm. kind of a, a big one. And I was expecting... Is it? it? I mean, it is in terms of like like what's, what's the, the most the goriest moment. Well, I mean, what I mean by big is when it comes to the discourse of the movie. Oh, you're right. But like, especially like when we're in the court, right? Yeah, there especially were a lot of people talk about right. Especially when it was in con, and they were like, people were walking out. Like you totally. expect like to see like you know this really nasty, horrific, gory, gooey stuff. And it while the gore looked amazing, it was nothing that like was unsettling. It wasn't like disgusting no. or like you know even when he when uh, you know they have that funny moment with Doug Jones when he's you know he's like a competing artist mm-hmm. and he's dancing with you know I think like thirty five ears on him or something like that. Mm-hmm. And the, the one the one woman says like that's terrible who would want that you know surround sound <laughs> um the, like the effects of it look great great but they're not unsettling they're not disgusting they're not no. like kind of grotesque like you no. know it's it's weird you know like vigo's growing extra organs in them yeah um but i didn't nothing like made nothing like really shocked me no that's what i'm saying is i couldn't imagine walking out of this movie for any either. reason what the hell were they thinking I they, they unless you were just brand new to cronenberg and just, you know it just really freaked you out it was it was it was strange that that especially since there was so much good entertainment to be had i just remembered this one this one vigo moment where he applies for the interview deep pageants oh, yeah. where he goes to register for the interview pageant and he shows up to do it and the guy, the guy is like passive aggressive with him, and he says some shit about how you, you know, by chopping out your organs, you're kind of resisting your own evolution. And we believe the evolution of these inner beauties is great, but you, you don't see it that way. You're like tattooing them and putting them on a wall and then throwing them away, like so it's kind of against what we stand for. And Figo's like, oh, well, if you don't want to be part of your inner beauty project, I'll leave. He's like, no, it'll all fall apart without you. Don't leave. <laughs> so then. He goes, <laughs> He's like begging him. He's like, no, no, we'll give him whatever you want. And Vigo like turns the knife. He goes, well, what if my organ I grow inside me wins the inner beauty pageant? And then I throw it in a trash can at my next show. Won't that embarrass you? And he's like, you can do whatever you want. You're a celebrity. Like, you'll do whatever. And then Vigo looks at him. He's like, okay. So we rewind. I'm here for the inner beauty pageant. It's fucking (laughs) hilarious. How is that not? Oh, I mean, it's just he's it's it's comedy in there, and the people are walking out of a movie that's basically hilarious, which is also hilarious. The, the you're you're leaving a comedy; it makes no sense. What did you think of the um, like humans not feeling pain? Incredible, right? Like pretty interesting. It, I mean, that will happen eventually. Like, I mean. <laughs> If we're verging on curing some sort of forms of cancer, which as we sit here, that's happening, right? right? Like they'll cure a pain and then people will. I mean, you know, people do dumb shit on a dare all the time in a world that has jackass forever. I was going to say, <laughs> if, if you get rid of pain, there's no more jackass. Yeah. If you get rid of pain, jackass becomes terrifying because they'll injure themselves and not know it. Oh, my God. <laughs> right. Now that would get pretty gross. I thought quick. that was pretty. So what did you think of the ending? So he's in the chair. He eats the plastic candy after a ha- after having a bunch of problems with the chair. It's not working. He's exhausted. The chair purrs, and that, and then he eats the plastic, and the camera closes on him with this 
possibly angelic, relaxed look on his face. He's being filmed by Leia Sadu, and then it cuts out. So what did you what What did that mean? How did it hit you? How'd you take it? It, it felt the, great watching. So I like I'm just I'm trying to like go it back because we felt watched like it. A, it felt it felt like the blowout of Cronenberg endings to me. Like it's so perfect. Because... Yeah, so it it felt good watching. I was like, I, I was very satisfied with the ending. What I thought it meant, I'm still not 100 percent sure what I think it is because I think that ending has more to do, and this is just what I'm. Thinking yeah, yeah. Here, of course. Is it it felt it felt to me dealing more with like climate change and okay. and like the pollution of our of of Earth because them eating the plastic felt very much like hey we're a... kind of like reaping you know. What we sow kind of shit. Right. Um, well, the the funny thing is, I, Scott Speedman was hopeful about that. Yeah. Like, he wanted he, it. He wanted it. Right. Like, that, like, that's why he his it was beautiful. People was, was great. And that he was. It didn't work, turn out too well for him. No. But it was. But, <laughs> but, but it he wanted like, it. It seemed like it was okay. It kind of felt. And his son's reveal, which led up to the ending, where they autopsied mm-hmm. his son, and inside his son was like the pollution of the ocean and messages and weird shit bunch of bunch of gross shit um so i don't know if it was like cronenberg feeling optimistic about the future (laughs) it felt because you know it's called crimes of the future (laughs) so like that would indicate that like we're fucking something up royally maybe or Um, we we have a future that might be him being optimistic yeah so (laughs) i do i do think there was some sort of slight optimism of maybe we can turn things around okay when it comes to like our current situation interesting so it felt like a happy ending to you that's what I wanted to figure out was, did you feel like this movie had a happy ending? Because I think it's the best movie of the year. I don't think it's particularly a horror movie. I know that's a dumb argument. Right. It's clearly a horror movie in terms of the visuals and the gore and his pedigree or whatever. But it doesn't seem like... It seems like a horror movie the way Bride of Frankenstein's a horror movie. But I have a theory about the ending, so I'll, I'll talk about that in a second. It's not, not going to take long. But my theory of the ending is that my theory leads to the movie having a happy ending and a lot of horror movies don't have happy endings. Right. Right. But you also think the movie has a happy ending. I, it, so that makes me feel better. Yeah. It did. I certainly did not like experience the ending and felt any kind of like lingering dread. Like I was just, cause there's a way to read the ending where he dies, right? Where he's being poisoned. The thing he's been trying to do the whole movie is die. Right. And he eats this shit and then he gets that look on his face and it freezes out. I mean, he might have poisoned himself. He might not be able to eat plastic. He looks, the thing is, is he, is, does he look angelic because he finally was able to kill himself or does he look angelic because he's eating something? And, and it's gotta be the second one because the way the chair acted. right? Right. So, all right, here's my theory about the ending. I think the ending is about evolution. So I think, it is what the movie was saying, which was that the concern of the movie that they keep saying over and over again is that they're the reason they're tattooing. By the way, the tattoos are rambunctious. It's one of my favorite lines in the movie. Oh yeah, which <laughs> is the perfect word for that. It's just no one else would say that, but 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 that character. Um, the, the the tattoos are the organs and all that stuff. What's happening here is the, the the concern of the people in the movie, insofar as there's a conspiracy, insofar as they're they living it and people are mm-hmm. hiding, is that they're afraid people are evolving away from human, right? If you just start developing your own weirdo organs that no one knows what they do, and then your your children inherit those, and then they inherit those, 
the human race will subdivide into a whole bunch of weaker, more divided subspecies, and there won't be a core human one left. That's what they're trying to prevent is it all dissolving into nothing. <laughs> like, you know. Right. Like, so evolving away from, from human, I think, right? Because the characters keep saying that, right? Matter of fact, the inner beauty pageant, the person who works with Kirsten Stewart literally says the words that I just said, and like, we need to prevent that. That seems to be what the conspiracy is trying to do. So if they're trying to prevent people from, they're trying to track it, I guess. So they like the evolution of it, but they're trying to track to make sure that no one gets a too evolved away from humans, right? What has Vigo been doing the entire movie? Just growing organs. And? It's not non-successfully eating or digesting his... And cutting the organs out, killing them, right? right. He's he's fighting evolution. Uh, all right. He's not letting his body evolve. And there's this amazing moment where Scott Speedman, where there's this amazing moment, this is where my theory came from, where Leia Sadu and Vigo and Scott Speedman are talking over the body of the sun or whatever. And he goes to Vigo, have you ever thought that you might be standing in the way of a beautiful process your body's trying to achieve? And Leia Sadu's like, his body's trying to kill him. We're making art out of the trauma of his body is like, has this out of control evolution process. And if you just let them all go, he, it would be the fly, right? <laughs> right? That's her theory is why well, we can't let him turn in the fly. As soon as like a fly antenna comes out, which is what the organs are, we chop it up and then we turn it into art. Right. She goes, she goes, we turn it into art. And he goes, are you <laughs> right? And, and it's interesting that he's so confident especially the way his character turns out to be really wrong about some things. But um, he is not letting his body evolve. He's slicing, cauterizing, and going back to Vigo without that organ and the organs over there in the stand, right? This guy wants the human race to be able to subdivide wherever it pleases. Scott Speedman wants us to be able to, if we, some people want to have surgery that lets them eat plastic, great. If some people want to have surgery that lets them eat sewage, great. If some people want to have surgery that lets them eat penguins, Probably not great, but whatever, right? He wants people to have the 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 species to have the the ability to evolve and flourish, right? When Vigo eats the plastic thing and the chair shuts down, he realizes that he spontaneously evolved this thing that they had surgeries for. So it is optimistic because his body is trying to evolve him where their surgeries are trying to evolve them. So the, the he's on the natural track of where they were on the artificial track. It sinks up. That's where it's supposed to head. We are supposed to eat the garbage. We are supposed to evolve to this. That's why he, not only is he at peace because he can eat, he's at peace because he realizes that the art that he was doing was not the important part. Uh, okay. Right? The important part was evolving to this thing that that we were meant to be, and not fighting the process anymore, right? And if you think about not fighting the process, like Jeff Goldblum heroically fought the process of becoming the fly for a minute, but it didn't work. He became the fly. Yeah, that did. Cronenberg is trying to not die, right? But he's going to die. <laughs> I'm <Right>. sorry, David. <laughs> bad, bad news. Right? Like, it's an ir it's a irreversible process, right? So, like, Vigo is fighting this process. He's fighting this process. And then he doesn't have to fight the process anymore. And the art, 
was the bridge to get him to the understanding of where he needed to go. Movie ends. <laughs> that uh, weirdly, for some reason, I don't know, I don't know how. I didn't didn't really expect that. But that weirdly <laughs> uh, <laughs> kind of lines up with uh, the untethered soul. <laughs> Michael Singer, I started listening to the Untethered Soul. What? Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck is that? I don't know yeah. what that is. Um, he started talking about like your inner voice. What's the like, Untethered Soul? You? Oh, I'm very fresh. Into it. Alex, <laughs> Alex, after this episode, can that's really, weird. That this can really. Uh, well, hey, let, me see, let, me, let me see if it, it can, is. Yeah, it is with some wisdom. Let me see if it can give me a little thing here. Uh, spiritual teacher Michael A. Singer explores the question of human identity and shows how the development of the consciousness can enable us all to dwell in the present moment and achieve happiness and self-realization. Yep, we were right. This movie was light with very little meaning. Okay, it hit us. Yeah, but how does that sync up? That's amazing. Um, the process. Sometimes you have to just surrender to the process. Which is... And, and you right? have to just let go because when you try to fight it, it gets worse. But when you let go, there's a freedom that comes with it. Right. And the reality, you can just, you know, you're, you're in a different sort of reality of just like letting go and just going down that river of whatever, you know? Right. And also, it, it also... It, 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 and it, I could be wrong about kind of like the specific of the tracks or where they're headed or whatever. It's just the vibe of where the ending was headed to me felt like it's a little horrifying. I see horrifying implications in there, clearly, right? right? But it also mainly felt like since I was rooting so hard for the chair and I felt like the chair won, that yeah. I had to be happy. <laughs> right. Right? Like if the chair's happy, I'm happy. And the chair was purring, for God's sake, so... Um, God bless the chair. Long, chair. long live the new chairs. I would, I would, um, I would take a chair. I would not want the bed because the bed's whole thing is like whole helping you try to experience pain. So yeah. I can, nope. I do not want no, to to adopt yeah. that, <laughs> Nope. but, uh, the chair that helps you digest. Sure. I do want to mention one thing though, that I, it could be totally accidental. It could be random. I just thought it was just an, an amazing grace note. If it was on purpose is. There's a moment at the end where they're doing the feeding. Vigo is going to try the plastic bar, right? And I don't think it it would surprise me if it was accidental that um, he has this hilarious, like, <laughs> easy bake oven plate of food in front of him, like Play-Doh peas. Yeah, it's, it's a weird-looking plate. It looked like only children would eat. As, as they would say in American Psycho, it's a playful yet mysterious <laughs> little dish. <laughs> <laughs> to, yeah, to, of, of weird like a food man like 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 nasa tang like part was stuff. green part was orange yeah it was yeah. very strange but so this plate's been sitting here with this like weirdo food like they're they're trying to goop into his mouth uh and the chair's trying to make work for him as hard as it can right and um he has been feeding himself most of the movie like he he you know it has spoons and arms and all kinds of things whatever but for the final move, for the one where you find out was evolution on your side or not, Leia feeds it to him. She opens the wrapper and she's the one who gives him the bite. And then he takes it from her and he sits in the chair and eats it or whatever. But she feeds him almost like a mom would. Yeah. And he's like a kid in a chair at this point. And the fact that she fed him I thought was really cool because if you go back and you look at this movie, they're really like a true partnership. They really do figure everything out together. They're not backstabbing each other. You think they might be, you think they might be like a Monica Bellucci, the Merovingian situation mm -hmm. that they might be art, really artistic rivals or, you know, not like whatever. She's clearly jealous of Kristen Stewart at some point. Um, or Kristen Stewart's, you know, Vigo calls her attractive and she 
didn't like that, no, right? So not like that at all. Um, matter of fact, someone asked Kristen Stewart like uh, whether Leia Sadu was was Vigo's lover, and she's like, no, he's he's she's his performance art partner. Yeah, <laughs> she's they, not in. They, they tried to make it clear like what the lines were. <laughs> right, exactly. So it right, exactly. But I I just. They figured everything out together. There were a lot of scenes where they just kind of looked at each other and, and you could see that they were exchanging like, is this, is this guy for real? Are we being tricked? And in a lot of these kind of movies, you see the Lady Macbeth, Macbeth dynamic where they betray each other and one of them ends up that, you know, dying or like turning on each other or whatever. And I like that that didn't happen. She, she t- asks him, you look like you're in so much pain. You can't even eat a bite anymore. And he's like, it's time. It's time to try. It's time to try the plastic bar. He's like, it's time. And then she, she gives it to him and she's filming it. Cause she's still an artist. She's still at a remove. She's not like, you know, a normal, like just helping, you know, my, the person I love kind of vibe. She's mm-hmm. way too complicated for that. But she, she, she goes, yeah, it's time. And she's the one who helps them do it and they do it together. And I just, you don't see that a lot in horror movies where you see a true partnership that lasts all the way through. It kind of reminded me of, I don't remember the character's names, but the stoner and the other character in the cabin, cabin yeah. woods, you know what I mean? Yeah. They had that vibe and I, you don't see that a lot in horror movies done well. And I really liked it. <laughs> Overall, the whole movie was like, it, ma- it makes me want to go and watch more Cronenberg. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm still kind of blown away by just like how relaxing this movie was. I expected <laughs> you hear walkouts, you hear gore, this, yeah. that, the other. And I mean, you, you get, you know, characters with, you know, really complex, but like pretty streamlined relationships. The yep. movie shot beautifully. Yep. I don't remember much of the score for some reason. Like I, nope. I can't, I can't really remember any, any music, which is kind of weird. I know there's something there. I remember some, but I mean, there was, it was pretty heavy on the music to begin with. It actually reminded me of the shining and it was really good. It just went away for some reason. Yeah. I can't, I can't really <laughs> like recall like any like big score moments or anything like that, but, and every, everyone was great. Kristen Stewart was wonderful. Viggo Mortensen. I can't, I always mess with that. Cronenberg is right. Thing. Kristen Stewart is doing some weird shit in here that, that people are going to find out 20 years from now with some weird acting shit that was next level. It was like, she's trying shit by that. That is very strange that, that people will figure out later. It's a very thing. There was this shout out to an artist named Duchamp, Marcel Duchamp, who did a painting called dude descending a staircase. You should, if you haven't heard of the painting, Google it because it's one of the most amazing paintings. ever. What's it called? Nude descending a staircase. It's one of the most amazing paintings I've ever seen in my life. It's, it looks like nothing until you look at it closely. And then it's a freeze frame in time, like a sl- stop image of a woman going up or down a staircase. But you got to look real close to see it. And it's like she's been sliced into slices, like the horse in the cell. Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah, yeah. And then just like in time kind of put down the staircase, right? And I don't think it's accidental that the only artists this movie mentioned <laughs> were Picasso and Duchamp. Because that painting is the most Cronenbergian classic painting ever made. <laughs> yeah, that looks <laughs> right? very... And they do mention Francis Bacon, which makes sense because he's terrifying. But the his art is terrifying. But this painting in particular, but what Duchamp represents... And I think Duchamp was a very calm, confident, kind of cocky, very genius artist and incredibly genius chess player. Amazing to have that many oh, wow. skills all, all at once, right? Just an incredible guy. But this is the, the, the Duchamp Cronenberg movie. So I'm all funny. in. Looking for... at this painting, like if I if I had this on a wall, mm-hmm. I would walk past it. I wouldn't 
be it's not like very striking right i would probably take some i would i would view something different every time i looked at it and i feel like i would if and i if watched, you if you didn't know the title if you're just walking by you have no idea what you were looking at i would imagine like if, if oh I, I wouldn't i if, wouldn't if know. you didn't tell you that was dude descending a staircase and you just saw it i don't think you would know that that was a person no i would have no up. idea i would think it looks pleasant right like right. i wouldn't think it's an ugly piece of art by right. any means but it's actually time traveling that's where she was. Then that's where she was a second ago. Then that's where she was a second ago. Then that. That's where she was. That painting is time traveling, right? Wow. <laughs> right. Exactly. Basically, want to rewatch Crimes of the Future, <laughs> which is what Cronenberg's doing. Which is why I think he dropped the name. But anyway, check out the movie if, and let us know what you think because we, we thought it was fantastic. Oh, it's total. It's it's totally good. And now I have to go and watch the rest. I have to catch a brush up. We'll watch Video Drone together. I'm I'm excited I'm, I'm excited to see. So Videodrome was not relaxing when I first saw it. It was one of the scariest movies I ever saw, as I recall when I first saw it. The Criterion Collection actually re-terrified me as an adult when I bought it and saw it like 2 in the morning when I was way too drunk. And the, <laughs> the Blu-ray menu screen is disturbing, and then it got into the movie, and I got unnerved again by this fucking movie. But I have a feeling that to someone who's never seen it, it might almost be relaxing because it's so retro now. Like, right. you're going to be like... Whatever that astronaut was doing in the opening sh- scene of shots of when MTV rolled their credits, like that's what that whole movie is going to look like, and that <laughs> might be fuzzy relaxing to you now. Like, I'm we'll, we'll see how we'll see if video drum is terrifying or relaxing to you. I'm game. Well, Crimes of the Future, we can't recommend it enough. Love it. Check it out. Until next time, stay scary. Watch a bunch of horror movies. See you next time. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>